0: Hello, everyone. My name is Katherine Barron. I'm a longtime education reporter and host of The Score, a podcast about academic integrity and cheating. We explore the landscape of cheating in school and delve into the key issues at play in this multifaceted issue challenging academia today. In each episode, we speak with faculty, scholars, and students and ask them to provide insights into what's happening in college and university classrooms and why how big a problem is it, who cheats, as well as what policies, regulations, prevention efforts, and changes in teaching and assessment show promise in curbing cheating. Production of the score is made possible with support from Measure Learning. In recent years, it seems that the radio dial on ethics is moving up and down the spectrum. Ethical behavior, intentional or not, is at the root of cheating. This episode of The Score explores how our guest, Garrett Merriam, an associate professor of philosophy at Sacramento State University in California, responded to widespread cheating on a final exam in his introduction to ethics course. Garrett Merriam, welcome to The Score.
1: Hi, Catherine. thank you for having me.
0: I'd like to set the stage for this discussion and for your work. Would you tell us what happened in your intro to ethics class?
1: Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll give the short version which we'll be elaborating on over the course of the discussion. But uh, I, I came to suspect that some s- students in my class might have been cheating on my final by googling the answers on uh, the final. I, I, I teach a course that's fully online, has almost a hundred students, and uh, with, with that much material, that many students going on, it simply isn't possible for me to create novel finals every semester as much as I would like to do that. So I reuse large portions, though never the entire thing, of my final. and so I. Found that you, by Googling the questions on my final, you could come up with a, a student who had uploaded a copy of the final with many of the correct answers to the, the, the questions. So I, I made the request of the website, website called Quizlet, that they take it down. And I was very pleasantly surprised that they did so promptly and quickly. Um, I was under the impression, I was assuming that they weren't going to uh, respond, but they did. So I was very grateful for that, very professional of them on their side of things. And then after that, a, a part of me, perhaps somewhat of a devious part, I suppose, decided to run a little experiment. Um, Part of my research is in experimental philosophy and I like running experiments. And so I decided to see what would happen if I uploaded a copy of my final with the right questions but the wrong answers. I, I didn't really think this through completely when I was doing it, which is something that would come back to haunt me later, which again, we will elaborate on a little bit. But uh, uh, what happened at the end is after the final was complete, I ran a statistical analysis and found out that uh, uh, approximately uh, 40 of the 96 students uh, cheated on the final. And I say approximately because there is a bit of a gray area there because a small number of students copied everything off the website, most of them copied some but not others, and so there was something like a gradual arcing downward curve, and it was hard to tell exactly where the, the, the line to cut off was. But uh, the, my initial pass led me to believe that 40 of the 96 students had cheated on the final, and this understandably created a bit of havoc, uh, um, both for me, for my students, for, for my department, and uh, a number of uh, uh, people who became a part of this conversation going forwards.
0: When you learned that a student had put the test up on Quizlet, how did you know that the students in your current class had copied it?
1: What initially led me to be suspicious was a mistake that I had made earlier in the semester. You know, Every week I upload a reading and a reading quiz. And the idea is they do the reading and they take the reading quiz just to make sure, to put a little pressure on them to incentivize them to actually do the reading. And one week I neglected to upload the reading but did upload the reading quiz. And then a few hours later I realized my mistake and I went and I uploaded the reading, but I, when doing so I noticed that some of the students had already taken the reading quiz and had gotten a perfect score on it. Now, The reading was not completely unique. It was available online. It was possible that those students simply Googled the reading and found a copy of it elsewhere and took the quiz. So that was hardly proof of anything, but it was enough to make me suspicious. It was enough to make me concerned that something would've been going on. So I Googled that quiz, those quiz questions, and sure enough, I found the copy of them on, uh, on Quizlet. I really should have at that moment been more aggressive and thought ahead and looked up the final at that point. Uh, but I, it didn't occur to me until I was preparing the final that, wait a minute, the final itself might also be up there. So I, I didn't realize there until later that uh, it wasn't just that one quiz. It was actually several quizzes and the, uh, the final itself.
0: There are some companies that will actually pay students to provide them with test questions they remember. Is Quizlet one of those or was a student feeling especially generous?
1: As far as I can tell, it was just out of a a, a potentially misplaced sense of altruism. As an ethicist, that's a really interesting thing, because these are people who are going out of their way, spending their time for no personal benefit to themselves to help out, in a a nominal way at least, their fellow students. Which in the abstract is something that is admirable and that you would want to encourage. But unfortunately, in this instance, what they're encouraging is academic dishonesty, so that's why I call it a misplaced sense of altruism.
0: (laughs) I read that you contacted the students suspected of cheating. How did that go?
1: Yeah, so I have a standard protocol for when a student cheats. But, you know, that's always been a one or two students here and there. It's never been on scale like that. So, yeah, I I put together sort of a blank form letter in which I I contacted them and said that uh, I have reason to believe that they had cheated on the final uh, and a few more details uh, without tipping my hand completely. And I sent that out to all the suspected students. And somewhere in the ballpark of about two-thirds of them got back to me right away and confessed and said that Yes, they cheated. They were apologetic. Um, some of them made excuses. Others just asked uh, for uh, understanding and forgiveness. And about one third of them uh, denied it. And then about half of that third then turned around within 24 hours. And and, and even before I got back to them and said, okay, you know what? I actually, you know, I, I changed my mind. I'm going to confess. I, and so the, all of this very much uh, reassured my confidence that my method was working here, and of the remainders, uh, you know, some of them, as far as I know, to this day still insist on their innocence. I've handed things over to the administration at my university. Those students are are their responsibility now. They're sorting that out. Others were those ones that were kind of on the bubble, where it was sort of right in there, where it's you know possible that they weren't cheating it's just a statistical anomaly those students created a particular problem because I you know I, you know for for those students you certainly don't have anything that we would consider you know a rock solid proof that they had cheated so for those ones I I I had follow-ups where I did Zoom calls with them to talk to them personally. One of them convinced me in in the conversation that they honestly did not cheat. You know, it's entirely possible that student was just a really good actor and a really good liar, but I don't think so. To the best of my ability to determine, they were honestly surprised and had no idea what I was talking about. The, the remainder, I mean, again, I, I'm not a human lie detector. I can't say with absolute confidence whether they're lying, but suffice to say, they did not allay my suspicions. And so those were the ones that I just handed off and said, okay, you're the, you're the university's problem now.
0: Then what happens? Do you have any input into what action the university takes?
1: I get to determine the penalty as far as my class is concerned. Um, you know, all all of the students who did this at the very least got an F on the final. We can talk a little bit more about those consequences later, perhaps. But as far as administrative consequences, that is up to the university to decide. Not That's not in my hands.
0: What is the university's policy? Are students automatically suspended or something equally harsh?
1: Yeah, if they might get suspended, uh, an academic warning. I think we have a pretty good system, actually. Um, the way it works is anyone who is suspected of cheating, you know, the professor is supposed to refer them to, to the appropriate office at the university. And you can report two different kinds of reports. One report basically is just a a red flag. You know, this student was suspected of cheating or even this student confessed to cheating. And if it's the first time that they've done this and the last time that they've done this a mark goes on their record in this one specific office but if they if they never do it again it's basically erased they can graduate without any problems it's not left on any sort of permanent record or anything like that the heavier sanction is reserved for more egregious cases of cheating and uh, that comes with the recommendation that uh, that some sort of academic penalty uh, uh, be administered to them and this goes especially the case if it's not the first time that they've cheated. So so the university acknowledges, I think, wisely that students can sometimes make mistakes and a zero tolerance policy is not a terribly uh, good approach. There should be some room for recognition and forgiveness. And, and the, the ethicist in me, I think, agrees with that approach to things.
0: When you shared what happened with colleagues in the department, what were their reactions? Also is the department supporting you in your new experiment regarding cheating?
1: So most importantly and you know again which was a bit of a cause of anxiety for me when I, when this started uh, expanding like this uh, my department chair completely had my back. I was very, very grateful for that. I mean, I've, I've had a, have a really good relationship with my department chair. I, I, he he does, I think, a fantastic job of supporting and and ensuring that we get to, uh, what we need. As far as the the rest of my colleagues, uh, there's only been a, some some casual emailing back and forth. But with the start of the semester coming up, we have a typical uh, retreat every year where we uh, set aside time to talk about pedagogy, and and this is going to be something that's going to dominate my portion of that discussion. And I'm going to make some, you know, I'm. And ask for feedback from them um, and make some uh, recommendations uh, that the rest of them try to, to do a little policing of their own material, especially if they're reusing the material the way I was.
0: I have heard of instances where some professors think, well, that would never happen in my class. And I'm wondering if you received any feedback like that, sort of implying that you must have done something not quite right as a teacher for students to cheat.
1: It, it's certainly tempting to think. And obviously there is some truth to that the, you know the, the the room for this kind of thing is going to vary depending on a lot of details about a particular instructor's class you know to take the most obvious example if you're not reusing material like I was then you're not going to be encountering this particular problem so some uh, while none of my colleagues gave that particular response if there's anyone out there listening I I, I can certainly imagine that uh, that might be a justified response however at the same time you know there there can be a kind of certain amount of uh, arrogance and maybe laziness that might come along with that too to think that the problem is something specific about the individual instructor in this case me rather than something that is a little bit more systemic again I want to give credit to professors and other instructors who have found ways to effectively discourage cheating but i would also say you shouldn't rest on your laurels and recognize that there it, it is i think a, a best practice to 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 double check your uh, your methods and your sources and to to find out uh, in any way you can whether or not there actually is academic dishonesty going on you should not simply assume that you are one of the fairly small percentage of uh, instructors who has managed to stamp out academic dishonesty in their ranks completely.
0: I guess you might be forgiven for thinking that if you're teaching an ethics class, this won't occur.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, the irony of cheating on an ethics final is something that was not lost on me and I tried to impose that recognition on all the students who I communicated with as well.
0: You did reach out to other colleagues and peers around the country. On the online philosophy journal called the Daily News, that's spelled N-O-U-S, which I read is ancient Greek for intellect or understanding. What feedback were you looking for and did you get it?
1: So it actually started on Twitter you know I, I have a fairly modest Twitter presence but a, I, a lot of uh, fellow philosophers you know follow me and I follow them and so I posted about the experience and you know Twitter being Twitter everything was condensed and a lot of detail was washed out so I think a lot of people didn't possibly fully understand exactly what I did and what my reaction to it was. So someone with a larger following uh, retweeted it with criticism, and a lot of people started to sort of jump on and accused me of engaging in dishonesty myself. The most common criticism was that it is a kind of entrapment that I that I encouraged or enabled students to cheat and then punish them for doing so. That struck me. You know, My initial reaction to that was quite defensive, um, and I, I, I tried to sort of you know, justify myself. Myself, but you know, a little time went by, and, and and you know, again, as an ethicist, you recognize that reaction. You know, people always get defensive when they get challenged. But I think an important part of ethics and, and and trying to live an ethical life is the recognition that you might be wrong and not realize it. And so that kind of open-mindedness led me to reaching out specifically to uh, to Justin Weinberg, who's the editor at the Daily News, which is a professional philosophy blog. I follow it and pay a lot of attention to it, and a, a, a fairly large amount of uh, my peers uh, log into that. And so I want to in particular hear from ethics professors uh, or philosophy professors in general, because as everyone knows, Twitter is populated by a bunch of random people who have no particular uh, experience or expertise. So I wanted to try to filter the audience down to people who uh, uh, at least had some experience with the kind of thing I was talking about. So I I gave a write-up to Justin, Justin posted it and editorialized a little bit and invited a discussion. And it became a very, very uh, uh, populous discussion, which I was fascinated to to participate in. Uh, And the results were somewhat mixed. Uh, I think a lot uh, of the people, once they got the full picture, uh, recognized that I hadn't engaged in any sort of major moral uh, problem, anything majorly morally problematic. And in particular, the charge of entrapment was ill-placed. At the same time, several people did criticized, and I think quite fairly, some of the particular ways I went about it, um, acknowledging that there was things that I could have done better. And I I took a lot of that to heart and plan on uh, trying to incorporate some of those criticisms and some of those pieces of advice going forward, which, again, is something we can talk about a little later on, if if, if that makes sense.
0: I'm curious about what parts of the plan do you think were flawed, and what did you decide to do differently going forward? And I guess this could be a time to bring in that you actually did try this again with a summer school class. What was different?
1: So people have a sense of the timeline. Uh, the, the the 40 out of 96 cheaters were in this, the spring semester. And then I had an early summer session right after that, which was a condensed six week semester. Um, and I, I, I tried to learn from my experiences and do things better the second time. I, I still wouldn't say I have gotten it perfect, but I do think uh, improvements have been made. So. For starters, one thing which I did not realize when I reached out to these students and and uh, accused them of cheating was that uh, for many of these students, websites like Quizlet are not thought of as academic forms of academic dishonesty, but just tools that you, you students can use on the internet to study. Several of my students claimed, and I, I had no reason not to believe them, that they they were just looking for study guides. They were looking for tools that could help them prepare for the final because, again, it is a difficult final. I make sure my students know that and I encourage them to to study for it. I try to give them ample resources. I give them a final review. I, I give them some sample questions so they know what to expect and so forth. But, you know, uh, I think a lot of them didn't realize they were doing anything wrong when they turned to the internet the way most people do to try to get assistance they stumbled acro- across the uh, the quizlet and you know in in good faith if not in uh, 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 ultimate ethical performance thought that they just found a website that would help them study not realizing that what they'd stumbled onto was a copy of the final to preempt that I made a change to the syllabus, uh, the academic dishonesty section of the syllabus, and I have a small recorded lecture on academic honesty. And I made it explicit that the use of websites like Quizlet uh, uh, were, were not acceptable for the purposes of this class. There may be, and I think there probably are, legitimate uses for websites like that, but I told my students that, you know, especially when it comes to the final, all that they need is the material that I hand them and any notes that they have taken over the course of the, the semester. And that's uh, if they start looking online, they, they risk the possibility of, of coming across material which qualifies as academically dishonest. Um, I, I also, in addition to that, uh, put two new questions at the start of the final. Uh, The very first one was uh, whether or not using websites like Quizlet qualified as academic dishonesty and uh, what should happen to students who cheat on their ethics final. Uh, Now that second one is perhaps debatable. Um, uh, There's a lot of room for debate in ethics, of course, but I made it clear to my students that these questions were gonna be on there and that for the purposes of the final, the right answer was that they should uh, 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 be failed from the class. So I deployed this new material for my Summer session, uh, which had tw- a total of twenty-nine students. Every single student got those first two questions on the final right, so they were paying enough attention to 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 follow through on that. Uh, but in spite of this, I still had three students who cheated. Three students who looked up uh, uh, the the Quizlet and found it. So. That's an improvement on some metrics. Uh, I, I fell from you know, about 40% down to about 10%. So that's encouraging. At the same time, again, I reached out to these three students and I, I genuinely tried to understand. You know, I did everything I could to impress upon them that using these resources qualified as academic dishonesty. I, I tried to get their buy-in to say they wouldn't do this, and in spite of that, three students still did. Uh, so clearly, I think I have room for improvement um, and I need to, I think, reflect a lot on how to do a better job of you know, not just imposing upon students that they shouldn't cheat, but making sure that I, I empower them and give them the resources they need, such that cheating isn't necessary, that isn't an attractive option. I don't want to simply make the final easier, because I, I do believe in rigorous academic standards. Uh, but uh, uh, I do think there's things that I can do, and I haven't figured out exactly what yet, but I do think that uh, I'm going to be making a deliberate effort going forward into the fall semester to be reaching out to the students more throughout the course of the semester to prepare them for the recognition that the final is going to be a challenge and to give them space to to reach out to me for help if they need it. So in the hopes that cross fingers uh, in the fall semester, I will get a total of zero cheaters.
0: The score is brought to you by Measure Learning a full service test development and delivery solution. Learn more about how they can help your organization develop and administer tests more securely at measure at measurelearning.com. What did the students say about why they cheated?
1: Yeah, well, again, like I said, some of them didn't realize they were cheating when they did it. They, they thought that the resource they were looking at was fair game um, of the ones who who did not claim that uh, some of them played the the standard academic pressure card uh you know they uh, had lots of finals to study for they didn't have time uh, you know they didn't intend to cheat other students you know claimed that it was a spontaneous thing that they were in the middle of the final and they were were falling behind and they they saw the the, the, the timer ticking down and so they panicked um, and decided to turn to Google and came up with something which ended up making things much worse for them. Now, I'm not insensitive to, to, to these uh, replies. I, I I was a student myself. I understand what the pressure is like. A lot of my students have significantly greater pressures than I ever had, um, but both personal, economic, academic. So, uh, you know, these responses did not fall on deaf ears. And when in my correspondence with my students, I tried to, to, to make it clear to them that that I, I do appreciate the pressures that they're under. At the same time, uh, you know, shorthand response is that an explanation is not an excuse. And while it it may help us understand uh, why they did what they did, um, it does not uh, uh, get them off the hook for being responsible for their behavior.
0: Is there some sliding scale of ethical behavior? I mean, should there be a difference in consequences between types of unethical behavior, something like the judicial system where there are various levels for misdemeanors and felonies? Or is cheating simply cheating?
1: Yeah, no, I think there definitely is a sliding scale um, uh, on a variety of bases. I mean, so again, the students who honestly didn't realize they were cheating. I think that matters morally speaking. You know, it's it's bad to do the wrong thing. But if you don't realize you're doing the wrong thing, that's mitigation that that lessens the degree to which you are morally culpable. From an institutional point of view, it's complicated though, of course, because it's hard to tell for sure which students are telling the truth when they say that they didn't realize they were cheating and which ones are just using that as an excuse to cover up their behavior. So institutionally, I think there should be a little bit more rigor and a little bit less flexibility. At the same time, I don't think there should be no flexibility. One of my students reached out to me, uh, rather in in the correspondence, uh, and she was on an academic scholarship. And if she uh, was uh, reported to the university, she would lose her academic scholarship and have to drop out of school entirely. Now that to my mind is a disproportionate response, you know. An F in a course is one thing, but having to be re- removed entirely from the university is another. So with that one particular student, and of course I was able to verify that they were indeed on an academic scholarship that wasn't just had, didn't have, wasn't just taking their word for it. Um, so for that one student I made an exception. I did not report them to the university. Uh, but I did make them have to to sign up for the fall semester. And so that student's going to be taking the class again from scratch. Um, and right now they're, you know, as far as the university knows their grade is just in limbo and whatever, you know, Grade they get when they retake the course in the fall will be the, you know, I, I will simply use that and replace that with their original grade. And, you know, I hope that that will be a, a, a acceptable for them and will allow them to stay in school um, while at the same time, you know, putting, uh, uh, recognizing that there is accountability there that they have to pay a penalty in the form of retaking the course from scratch. And uh, uh, that was acceptable to them. And so that for that one case, uh, that was a, a different way of approaching it given the circumstances.
0: Do you feel that cheating is getting the attention of the wider higher ed community that it deserves? Are there discussions underway in universities, professional associations, and accrediting agencies to identify steps that colleges and universities can take?
1: Obviously, the 900-pound elephant in the room for academic honesty is uh, large language models like ChatGPT. That has been getting a tremendous amount of attention, and I think rightfully so. You know, I have my students write. Essays, and I've you know been concerned about uh, the use of that. You know there are tools, countermeasures to try to check for that, but they're far from perfectly reliable. Um, it, it's just just so happened that this particular instance is not one that had anything to do with artificial intelligence. This was just standard Google and uh, uh, academic websites like like Quizlet. Um, I do think that there should be more discussion about websites like that. In no small part, just so professors could be more informed about it. Again, I had the assumption, which I is no doubt true for some of these websites, that, like you said, that it's a for purely for profit. That they will uh, pay students with with credits or something like that for turning in and sharing uh, information. And uh, I, I thought it is predatory and a, a, a model that uh, would not cooperate with professors when they say, hey, you need to take my stuff down. I was wrong about that for Quizlet. Quizlet has genuinely impressed me in their uh, responsibility and their, their their apparent sincere desire to to work with professors and instructors to to stamp out academic dishonesty. I'm less confident that the same is true for other websites, however, uh, because you know, the internet is vast and there's lots of different models and there's lots of people who don't care at all and just are looking to w- for a way to make a profit. So I think a broader discussion of websites like these, uh, so professors are more aware of them, um, and we can be more on top of them. Uh, I think would be would be called for. Students know about this stuff. Students are very very internet savvy, uh, and while I consider myself you know, reasonably internet savvy myself. I know a, a lot of my colleagues are a little bit older than I am, and even the younger ones aren't always as online and as plugged in. Um, and even those who are, aren't always aware of all the possible resources out there that students can use to cheat. Uh, so a, a broader conversation amongst academia and amongst uh, 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 professional teachers, again, if for no other reason than to draw awareness to, to these resources, I think is something that is important.
0: One of the big thought questions for me continues to be why cheating is so prevalent. I know it's easier to do these days, so that may be one reason. I also wonder if there's something that's changed over the years about how people rationalize this kind of dishonesty. I mean, do they feel pressure to get ahead, to succeed in a way that maybe we didn't in the past? Or is it that they think school is boring and that teachers tend to do the same thing year after year after year? and aren't inspiring curiosity and a love of learning.
1: So no doubt there's some truth to, to everything you mentioned there. There, This is one of those, you know, there is no sort of single solution kind of issues. But this might be a good time to mention that within the last year, uh, there have been two scandals am- in academia uh, uh, in and in, in, uh, amongst scholars of dishonesty. There have been two separate scholars, one at Duke and one at Harvard, whose research expertise is dishonesty. And they have both been accused of fabricating their own data. Now, I don't know enough details to know for sure whether or not they actually did it or whether or not uh, uh, it's a misunderstanding of some kind. Um, But it is indeed the kind of thing which shows that people, people who spend their professional careers studying dishonesty are at least potentially themselves just as susceptible to engage in dishonesty. There's been a lot of empirical research that shows that people who specialize in ethics like myself are not on average morally better people than People who have no particular exposure to ethics at all. So, again, there's this naive idea that studying uh, honesty, studying ethics would make you a better person. And, you know, yeah, who doesn't like that, right? I mean, again, as someone who spends their time thinking so much about these questions, I would love to believe that I am a better person because of it. Um, And, you know, maybe I am, maybe some people are, but on average, that isn't how it works out. so to a certain extent, you can I think blame um, perhaps human nature might be a little bit too broad, but but long-standing old uh, structural issues uh, uh, within society, if not within human DNA, um, uh, to respond to pressure in various ways. Some people uh, have really high rigorous moral standards and will not compromise their integrity or their honor, and those people deserve praise and recognition. Um, at the same time. Uh, there's good reason for thinking that those people put in the right circumstances and under the right pressures could crack and compromise themselves. So none of us should be on a high horse here. We need to recognize that the same psychological and social pressures that uh, led my 40 students to cheat apply to all of us. It's just that most of us are potentially shielded through mostly good fortune to the situation where those pressures don't drive us to doing something like engage in in, an academic dishonesty. But you know, roll the dice another time, deal the cards slightly differently, and there's every reason to think that most people would engage in this kind of dishonesty. So yeah, I really wish that we could say that there is some simple solution, that there's just some bad people or some lazy students out there, and those students need to be punished but that's not how it works. Uh, uh, we are all susceptible to the same kinds of social pressures, to the, the pressure to succeed, the pressure to get good grades, to get tenure, uh, to, to publish. And those pressures can lead even generally morally decent people to, on occasion, perhaps at a moment of weakness, do something wrong. And I hope, if that happens to me, uh, that I will be held accountable, but at the same time, people will extend grace and forgiveness. There there, there needs to be a balance between these things, uh, because I hope to live a long life, and there's every reason to think that at some point in that process, I have done things that are morally questionable, if not out and out wrong, and I will do so in the future. And so I think that all of us should recognize that uh, uh, we are all human and all too human, and to take that into account when we start judging and blaming other people when we catch them for cheating.
0: It seems like there has to be a multi-pronged approach to addressing this in higher education. Is it that the pressure that students are under at that moment when they're sitting there taking the test that causes them to stress out and think I need help, I need it now, I don't care where it comes from? Or should it be addressed by examining how we teach and how we test whether students have learned the material? How would you like to see this addressed?
1: Yeah, I think better pedagogy always, there's always room for better pedagogy. One thing which I have considered, I have not committed to this, but, so a quick comparison here. One thing I do to try to discourage cheating on the on the writing assignments, on the essays in my class, is I say to all of my students uh, that you know if you feel the temptation to cheat, to use ChatGPT or to hire someone else, take that as a red flag. All you need to do is email me and I will give you an extension on the paper. We can sit down, we can work together. I don't want the deadline to be something that forces them to to, to to do something unethical because, you know, I structure my class in such a way that most of the deadlines are flexible. Um, and better, you know, I've been thinking about if there's a way I can do better flexibility on the final, because the way I have the final structured currently is it is a timed final. You log in, you take it, the timer starts, um, and you have to complete it in one sitting. And I'm thinking that 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 you know, initially that time pressure was supposed to be an anti-cheating mechanism. The thinking was that they wouldn't have time to just look up all the answers if I put time pressure on them. But now I'm wondering if that time pressure might be having the opposite effect. So I'm trying to figure out if there is a way that I can provide a kind of escape hatch. So if a student, you know, finds them, if a student finds themselves tempted to cheat, that all they have to do is push the escape hatch button and somehow it will allow them to 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 pause without penalty and to, to to reorient and reassess I'm not sure how to make that work in practice just yet again that's something I'm still chewing over so better pedagogy definitely can help and as far as broader institutional structures uh, yeah that's' Frankly, probably outside my pay grade, I, I have not worked on that on the university wide level. Um, uh, I, I would like to think that there's room for improvements in that, too. Again, I, I like the way my university handles it by having different levels of reporting that instructors can use. And it isn't just a one size fits all hammer that, that smashes students who are or, or suspected of academic dishonesty. Um, but I, yeah, I imagine that there are people out there who are more qualified than me to speak to that side of things.
0: How can we change pedagogy? What are some of the ideas that you have so that it might be a little bit more interesting for students and give them a bit more of a curiosity and interest in learning?
1: So, as I mentioned, I'm a bit of an experimental philosopher, and one thing I would love to see is uh, if there's any kind of correlation between uh, more charismatic, more engaging professors and academic dishonesty. Intuitively, I would think that there are, but I know enough about uh, empirical science and empirical psychology to know that oftentimes our intuitions on these things are are, are quite wrong. I would like to believe that I am a charming and engaging and charismatic teacher, but at the same time, especially when you're doing a fully online class, it can be very difficult for that kind of human element to fully come through. So... I I, I would bet a decent amount of money that fully online classes have more academic dishonesty than in-person classes. Again, I don't have any data to back that up. I could be wrong about that. I would love to see some data, but I would bet money on that. At the same time, I am a little bit more skeptical that that personal magnetism or charisma is going to have that effect. at least some of the students in my class who cheated, said to me, even before they cheated, and I, again, I have no reason not to believe them, that they found my class quite engaging, that they really liked the material, they could have just been sucking up, of course, but I don't think they were. It didn't, you know? I know what sucking up sounds like. In this, in this context, it didn't seem like that was what was being done. So I think there's every reason to believe that, uh, that, that charming and personable professors, while that definitely is a merit and something that's good and important in, in, in education in general, I suspect that that's less of an inoculation against academic dishonesty as we might like to believe.
0: Thank you so much for discussing your experience and what you hope your colleagues and others in the larger system of colleges and universities could and should take away from it. Garrett Merriam is an associate professor in the philosophy department at Sacramento State University. You've been listening to The Score. The Score is produced by the Academic Integrity and Research Group at Pando Public Relations. It's underwritten by Measure Learning. And technical support is provided by This is Distorted. To ask questions, download show notes, or learn more about The Score, visit our website at podcastthescore.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at podcastthescore, or find us on all the podcast platforms as The Score.